Hospitals and health systems are committed to continually making their communities safer. Key to that is preventing violence within their facilities and ensuring the safety of staff and patients. Welcome to Advancing Health, a podcast from the American Hospital Association. I'm Tom Hetterly, senior writer for AHA. May is a time to raise awareness of those living with mental or behavioral health issues and to reduce the stigma so many experience. This podcast, hosted by Robin Begley, AHA Senior Vice President and Chief Nursing Officer and Chief Executive Officer of the American Organization for Nursing Leadership, will outline a successful approach to improving a facility's physical environment, engaging staff and patients, and ultimately decreasing violence against the healthcare workforce. Hospitals and health systems are committed to continually making their communities and workplaces safer. Key to that is preventing violence within their facilities and ensuring the safety of staff and patients. May is a time to raise awareness of those living with mental or behavioral health issues and to help reduce the stigma so many experience. I'm Robin Begley, AHA Senior Vice President and Chief Nursing Officer and Chief Executive Officer of the American Organization for Nursing Leadership. Let's welcome our guests. Charles or Chuck Clark is the president of Behavioral Health of Parkview Health, a health system serving Northeast Indiana and Northwest Ohio. Chuck is accountable for the operations and strategic direction for service delivery of inpatient and outpatient behavioral health services. Next, we welcome Paula Bostwick, the vice president of Behavioral Health Hospital Services at Parkview Health. As a nursing leader for more than 30 years, Paula's focus has always been on creating compassionate connections with patients and coworkers to improve outcomes. Thank you both for joining us and sharing your story. Well, thank you, Robin. Um, to just give you some background and context about uh, uh, who we are at Parkview is we're a non-for-profit system. We're actually the largest health system in Northeast Indiana with more than 13,000 coworkers. Uh, we're a magnet health system. All of our hospitals are magnet hospitals, including our psychiatric hospital. Um, we've also been named the top 15 health systems in the United States by IBM Watson. Uh, the behavioral health division, which I'm involved in, uh, has a 100-bed psychiatric hospital that treats children, adolescents, and adults. Uh, we also have a 20-bed geriatric psychiatric unit at one of our med surge hospitals. And then in addition, we have a community mental health center. It does about 240,000 uh, visits annually. So um, to talk about our journey at Parkview, um, specifically behavioral health around um, workplace violence and just employee injuries, um, we started this journey about a decade ago. And it was really through a board initiative to reduce uh, employee injuries throughout our whole health system. Uh, one of our board members um, was a is a CEO of a manufacturing company, and his company was best practice in the industry. And so he really challenged our health system to say, uh, why is, does health 
care have such a higher employee injury rate than what manufacturing does. And at the time, uh, behavioral health was the second highest employee injury rate in our health system. Only our extended care facility had a higher rate. And um, we first began that journey with actually using best practice outside our industry with a manufacturing consultant and really started doing the things that manufacturing was doing, kind of using those principles. And uh, in that first year, uh, we actually improved our employee injury rate, the OSHA recordable rate, um, uh, from 25 to 11.5. And then the second year, we actually moved down to 5.3. So we were actually uh, pretty proud of, of that improvement in those two years. And I think the strategies that had a huge impact with that was really the first one was understanding the data. Um, we really didn't understand even what a recordable injury and an incident rate was and how our policies actually played into creating a, a higher injury rate. In addition to that, we really didn't understand how all the injuries occurred and what type of injuries. So really by digging into the data, we actually saw improvement just by increasing awareness. And the other thing we did is we really um, did a lot of communication and worked on accountability. Managers often didn't know their coworkers were injured. Um, and there wasn't great communication between our employee health department and our behavioral health managers. So we really had to create clarity around expectations and we started reviewing every injury in front of leadership. And then really, I think the other key strategy was really involving the coworkers in that solution. Uh, they participated in work groups and we really started connecting the dots um, between really behaviors and injuries. So we made great improvement. However, what I would call kind of wave two was our health system decided that we need to do even better. And as I mentioned earlier, Parkview has been all about excellence. So we had a new target of 2.3 as an employee injury rate for the health system. And we already thought we were doing well in behavioral health because we were better than the industry average being at five. And so, but we realized that we needed to do something different, but we really struggled for the next couple of years, staying around five, but never really getting down to the health system's target. And in that second wave, we had a leadership change. And um, Paula, um, I'm gonna let her talk. She came in as our new nursing leader and really started looking at uh, the way we were delivering care differently. And with her strong background in patient experience, I think it really took us to a new level around reducing workplace violence. Go ahead, Paula. Thank you. So I have, until I took this position, I had not worked behavioral health. So it really, um, when I came in, it was um, quite shocking for me. I thought I had seen a lot in my nursing career, but I really was not prepared for um, the level of violence and injuries that I saw and immediately realized we had to do something differently. So started really with assessing the situation, realized that um, our nursing team, um, they were afraid of the patients. Um, we had public safety in here. 
while our public safety members were great team members, they pretty much had become frontline. So if a patient got upset, they called the, the public safety officer. So really started to step back and say, who owns these patients? Um, so one of the first things that we did uh, really was talk about what is it we have to do differently. We've got to, we've got to take that ownership back. As leaders, we pulled together a team and again, continued to assess, realized we were missing de-escalation skills. Um, so we came together as a team, leadership team, and identified that um, we, we were gonna do better. So we really started off with de-escalation training. We did de-escalation drills, much like you do code blue drills on the med surge side of the world. The other big piece, we have panic alarms that go off. So anytime there was a panic alarm that went off, nursing leaders went to that panic alarm. I, I wear heels to work every day, but you can hear me running down the hallway when there was a panic alarm going off. So we, it was important for us as leaders to help our team learn those skills that they needed. Um, and, and we needed to role model those behaviors. The other big thing, um, we were really missing the ability to get to know, take the time to get to know our patients. So as a leader, as I walked the halls, I would ask, tell me something about this patient that I'm not gonna find in their medical record. What makes them special? And um, so the team really started to dig in and get to know their patients um, and could tell me a lot about them. Again, we continue to role model. We were able to um, take back that ownership. Along that same time, as we started this journey, we um, had an old high acuity lock unit, very um, jail-like concrete blocks. We were able to secure funds to remodel it. So part of this journey was how we were interacting with our patients differently. So when we remodeled that high acuity unit, we took down all of the walls between us and our patient. We have an open nurse's station. We were able to create 12 private rooms with um, private baths with a large day room, kind of a living room feeling. I laughingly say I wanted a fireplace, but they tell me a fireplace isn't appropriate in behavioral health. But we put a TV kind of in there so they could sit and watch TV in a living room concept but we could hear them, they could hear us. We we're able to be out there with them. And what we saw almost immediately was um, when we moved out of that jail-like area into a big open area, um, we did not use a restraint um, for the first 10 months after opening that new unit. Um, when we did seclude, the patients knew that they needed a timeout. And they oftentimes would walk back with us willingness saying, you know, we need to get away for a minute. So we started to really see our seclusion and restraint numbers drop. We also, as a team, decided keep your hands off of the patients. Um, we were very hands-on very quickly. And my philosophy is you can break a chair, you can break a window. I can fix a chair, I can fix a window, but I can't fix a human being. So if, if they need to vent, let them vent. Um, they're going to be angry, let them be angry, they're going to get tired, and then we can have those conversations. The other big change that we made, we fought with our patients over everything. Um, we fought over no-lie muffins. Uh, a, a coworker said one day, um, 
the muffins are only for those patients that, uh, that, that don't go down for breakfast, and we're giving muffins to everyone. This is craziness. And I'm like, give a muffin and develop a relationship. That's where we need to be. So over time, the culture really did start to change. We saw originally our injury rates, um, and, and Chuck talks about the numbers, um, the injury rate. Um, I'm very sim simple when I think about it. I want to know how many we had last year and how many do I have right now. Um, I don't care about the rate. I care about the number. So we really saw that injury rate from 2017 um, to 2019 take a sharp turn, um, which was really um, amazing. Um, in 2016, we had about 40 coworkers injury, injured, but 30 of those were OSHA reportables. 17, there were still 25 with 17 OSHA reportables. As we continued this work in 2018, we dropped to 17 injuries with three OSHA reportables. And for 2019, we had our first injury in September and we had two OSHA reportables. Um, so we, we saw a significant in, in, um, or decrease in those. We saw um, Parkview Public Safety not coming to our rescue nearly as often because we managed the situations. We told public safety when it was time to go hands-on. They, they don't move until we tell them to move. And if they move before that, we talk about it afterwards. We debrief every case, identifying what could we do differently? How did we miss this? Um, I shared earlier, we saw our seclusion and restraint um, numbers drop well below benchmark, nearly to zero. We also saw patient experience um, move dramatically. Um, they were sitting about the 41st percentile and today they're sitting somewhere right around the 75th to the 80th percentile. Um, but we saw a, a, a great movement in probably six months um, from that 41st to the 75th percentile. We also, um, probably one of our biggest wins, turnover um, fall of fourth quarter, I'm sorry, of 2017, first quarter 2018. First year RN turnover was at about 80%. Um, we are now three months, four months into 2020, and our first year turnover is at zero. We have not lost a new nurse um, for a year now, which is pretty amazing. Um, so that, that, that the nursing force has stabilized. We've also um, quickly been recognized across the system as one of the safest places to work, and we really were able to turn that ship around. People didn't come to behavioral health because it was so dangerous, but now they realize it's about patient connections um, and getting to know the patient and meeting them where they're at, and that's what nurses want. So we're really seeing nurses transfer from med surge areas and ICUs into behavioral health, which you haven't seen a lot of over the years. Probably though, as we think about our biggest win, it's those connections that we've made with our patients. We kind of used Maslow as that guide um, to see if, if we could make a difference in our outcomes. So if you think of those patients coming in, they're scared, they're hungry. And if we can meet those basic needs, we can actually move them up Maslow's hierarchy. And we see that um, those relationships 
Um, even years out, we have a, a young lady that we sent to a state hospital January of 2018. Um, we are still receiving letters every quarter or so from her, um, letting us know of her progress, thanking us for her care. Um, she wasn't happy when she was here. She was restrained and secluded a lot. She was very violent. She is now apologizing and recognizing that we saved her life, and she's really grateful for that. Um, the All of those things are great, but I think for our team also, when we started to change our culture, every all of our outcomes improved. So we received the 2018 and 2019 NDNQI for Nursing Quality Awards. We were the 2019 success story uh, with Prescani. Um, because we were able to decrease um, the violence in our workplace. So our team's really starting to reap um, the rewards that they deserve for the hard work that they've done. That's incredible. Thank you both for sharing your journey. Can you please share with our listeners any lessons learned during this process? Anything you want to highlight? Sure. Uh, Robin, I, I think one of the key things that I've learned a long time ago but has to be reinforced uh, with me um, whenever I see changes is that culture always trumps strategy. And um, this is really, as I mentioned, we were we kind of went in two waves here around, around really uh, reducing workplace injuries. And even though we got to know the data, we increased awareness. Um, what I didn't realize until really Paula joined the team is that from a culture standpoint, we still, um, coworkers expected to get hurt if they were in behavioral health. And what was interesting, it was almost a rite of passage that it was until you kind of charged in to your first situation and, and helped out, um, you really weren't a team member yet. And so that became obvious when we started looking at our care model, which had been very parental in nature, rather than the approach that Paul is talking about. And so despite a lot of the improvements we made by understanding the metrics, um, really um, uh, increasing the accountability of management and making the coworkers part of the solution, which were all key However, until we really dealt with our care model and um, how coworkers were interacting with the patients, we never really went to that next level. And I think, again, what I appreciate about um, Paula coming in with a strong uh, patient experience lens and looking at things and actually being non-psychiatric coming from the med surge world, it really was a completely different viewpoint and we really had to step back and uh, that allowed us really to get to the next level. And then I would say also a lesson learned is that if you can look at your environment of care, and as Paula mentioned on our psychiatric ICU area, it was very, um, I would say, jail-like in the way it was set up. And it was very controversial when we did remodeling and took out um, the glass between the nurses station and the patients and really opened everything up. 
And I was surprised as much progress as we made, there was still a lot of resistance by coworkers about that we shouldn't do that. But what we quickly learned is the patients um, really benefited from that new environment and so did our coworkers. Uh, and one of the things we've learned long time ago is that if we're struggling with patients, we often have to take a look at what our own staff are doing and how are we playing into that. So I don't think we can underestimate when you change the um, environment of care, what an impact that can have. And, and I would agree, Chuck. I think that um, we can we can talk about data and we can show numbers to our teams all day long. But I truly believe until you humanize the care that you're providing, it, it's meaningless. So um, once we started to change how we interacted with our patients and and started to see them differently, um, we we didn't we weren't going to see any results if we didn't do something differently. I, I think probably one of the big eye-opening um, experiences for me, there were patients that had been here year after year that were very violent and they were in that old ICU area. And then now when they come to us, um, they aren't violent at all. So I really do think that environment drives a lot. We behaved differently um, in that, that old prison-like area. Um, but by opening it up, they get to know us. We get to know them. There's not a whole lot of secrets out there because everybody can hear everything. So that level of trust is really increased. Um, again, I think it's those human connections that make the difference and it's gonna drive the outcomes. And Paul, I would agree. I think also I would say that um, part of that too is, is that common language that is used. And I think your point uh, earlier where you talked about you really went away from what's the employee injury rate to actually what are the numbers of people who've been injured. And uh, the employee injury rate, that OSHA recordable rate can be um, complex to some regarding the formula. And it is somewhat meaningless when you say the number 25 or the number five, but what people do identify with is who, you know, who got hurt, how many coworkers have been hurt, that type of thing. And so I think that humanizing even the statistics is very important. Absolutely. Wow. So humanizing the care, changing the culture, human connection, what powerful words. Paula, I want to thank you and Chuck for joining us and sharing your insights. And I really want to congratulate you on the great work you've done at Parkview Health. Thank you. Thank you. If you want to learn more about the work hospitals and health systems are doing to prevent violence and reduce stigma around mental health and behavioral health issues, visit us at www.aha.org. Thank you.